God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Here's all they need to know, and here's all you need to know, and all of our listeners need to know. Today, I'm wearing shorts. Period. Period. Yeah. It's a beautiful day in your studio. Why wouldn't you be wearing a shorts? Well, <clears throat> Nova's been going to this summer program at a school literally right behind her house, so I walk her to and from school each day when I'm home, which, by the way, just got home from 20 days in Europe. And nice. I don't think I've ever been more glad to sleep in my own bed with air conditioning because every hotel room in Europe, tiny bed, real hot. Yeah. If there's one thing I really like, it's sleeping in a room where it's real hot. I had a few nights where I was just laying in a hot room on top of the covers, just praying for sleep or death, whichever would come first. Both the same. You know what's even better than a hot room? What? Sand. (laughs) Sand in your sheets. So if you got a hot room and you got sand in the sheets. Oh, dude. There's nothing better, but there is. You know what the third thing is? If you had the perfect sleeping situation of all time. What? If you looked over to the side of the bed and there on the floor, instead of seeing a sandal, there are proper a sandal or perhaps an inviting area rug mm. or perhaps a girdle. From thy wife's loins, mm-hmm. but has found its way to the floor area from her rosy cheeked buttocks, mm-hmm. or perhaps maybe a spilt cup of lemon drop tea, perchance. But no, none of the above. But if you were to look over the side of your bed in an ideal scenario, what you might spy there, as I have with my own delicate orb nestled inside my bony skull that holdeth the sensory organ known as the eye, what I did spy with my one eye, there on the floor of the domicile that I found myself in was none other than the raggedy sea-encrusted crab finding its way across my floor at a breakneck speed. (laughs) One tiny claw, one big claw. A claw that one might say, well, there is the correct size claw for such an animal. But then on the other arm, unbeknownst to a thing I call sanity, a much larger claw. <laughs> well, God, in his infinite wisdom, said, take the lowly crab. Shall we give him symmetrical 
similar shaped and sized arms and claws? Or shall we bestow upon the crustacean friend, the bottom dweller, if you will, one arm quite small and formidable, and one arm quite large and insanely disproportionate to the rest of its body? And we chose the latter. I was about to ask you, what doth the Lord chooseth? And thou hast already said it upon my ear. It is landed like a pillowy consonant vocabulary crouton. And it's found its way, dug its way, dare I say, into the fine corny recesses of my inner brain. The proverbial earworm. The proverbial, dare I say, earwig. <laughs> the sensible sentence sometimes lingered upon by said scribe. <laughs> you know what I can imagine, dude? I can imagine me and you in like Roman times in one of those like yeah. bathhouses. Just, oh, yeah. just doing this char- these characters back and forth in like a bathhouse and surely being put to death for it. Like just <laughs> them not understanding it and putting us to death. Well, eventually, yes, of course. Death would be the only death would be the only viable solution that those <laughs> people only, in those times would have for us. The only way out is through. Yeah. Cause they didn't have sh- they didn't they couldn't Google shit back then. No. Those people were living within the means of their wits. And that was not a very wide mean. So anyways, so you're traveling through Europe and it's hot because it's yeah. the summertime. Yep. And a lot of those places don't have air conditioning because they were they're not then it's not necessary most of the time. They're not rocking it over there, dude. We played in Spain. We played a festival in Spain. I got to meet Jerry Cantrell, which was really fun. He was staying in our hotel. Nice. But the show we played was like 102 degrees. And one of those festivals, well, actually, we just played one with you at Round Rock where the sun is just coming right down on you for an hour. And it's a wonder that bands even survive those. You know what we should talk about? Remember the Punisher guy we met at that show? We won't say names or anything. Remember the guy that we kept talking to? He was a big Bob Schneider fan, but he had played in one of the bands before us. Oh, right. And he basically, if you could make a cartoon character who would fulfill every horrible personality trait imaginable of what we call a punisher, someone who punishes you backstage. Sometimes it's fans. Sometimes it's someone who works in TSA. But this guy was the ultimate cartoonish Punisher. Do you remember what I'm talking about? That guy was nice. He was, he was trying to be nice. Yeah, he was. But getting it wrong. Not doing it right. <laughs> well, he was doing all the stuff that people do to be cool. And, you know, it was a, it was a lot. He was doing a lot of things. I had a guy... <clears throat> doing that to me in the airport when we got home. It was a t- literally a 24-hour travel day. And we finally get to New York and we're 
the long flight's over, but we got this flight to Nashville, but we'd been laid over for like six and a half hours. He's like, well, you, you going home or you going to work or going home? Home. Oh, you live in Nashville? <laughs> yep. Coming from London? Yep. You like living in Nashville? Yep. Did you play a lot of shows in Europe? Mm-hmm. Was it exciting? Yep. Was it also tiring though, I bet? Yep. <laughs> it's like I was like, dude, how do I tell you without telling you that I no longer want to talk to you about any of this? He goes, Well, you look as tired as I feel. I said, Thanks, man. His wife, yeah. his wife goes, Randy, that's rude. I'm like, dude, you, first of all, I don't want to talk to you and you're going to insult me and you're not taking the hint. At what point does a man like me just go insane and chop my own leg off and attempt to murder the world with it? I mean, at no point <laughs> are you not leg, legless swinging at the world with <laughs> on, hopping around on one leg. Dude, here's what happened to me. You know, like, here, here's what, here, all right. Should we? All right. Put, here's the thing. Okay. You're listening now. You're like, oh, let me pop in. I'm okay. You're okay. Let me pop in and see what's popping. Or at the I'm okay. You're okay. Then. But here's what you didn't expect. To have the shit be broke down all the way down right now. As it's about to be break down. For free. <laughs> Not just for free, but are you ready to handle these big nuts that I'm about to put in your palms and weigh you down for the rest of your fucking life with this shit in your fucking nut satchel? Because that's what's about to happen. Get ready. I mean, here it comes. Because <laughs> here it fucking comes, dude. Jesus Christ. But when you get on, when you board a plane, you know that thing we call civility? It's a thin la- it's a thin level of civility that we as human beings we like to carry around in our so-called societies. Mm-hmm. And in some societies it's thin, in some societies it's thick and meaty and holds up under pressure. I would say the United States is a thick and meaty society for the most part with civility. You go to some places, not so much. But when you get on a plane, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye, stability, dude. We talked about it with Mike Tyson. Yeah. It gets, it's real thin. It's danger level thin when you get on a plane. So here's what happened to me. I get on a plane and it's United Airlines. So I have a seat that's assigned to me. It's my seat. Mm -hmm. It's thanks daddy's. What's it? Thanks daddy dash two. Half of Thanks Daddy's mm-hmm. seat. Mm-hmm. One half of Thanks Daddy's seat. And I got my number. 7F. That's my seat number. 7F. 
So I get on the plane and I go to row seven and it's full. Row seven, row seven is full of people. There are no empty seats on row seven. So I look up and I go, hmm, where's F? Oh, there's F. That's the window seat. And then sitting in that seat is a lady who is approximately 102 years old. Mm -hmm. And sitting next to her is what I believe is a um, sex slave. Uh, looks to be about a 15-year-old young African-American male sitting next to him. I mean, his his race has nothing to do with him being a, a sex slave. But I'm just wanting you to know what we've got going. And then next to him, we have a man who's approximately somewhere in the 300-pound zone I don't, he, I don't know if he's 320 i don't know if he's 350 i don't know if he's 380 but he's somewhere in that 300 zone above 300 below 400 and i'm guessing you did all of this spiritual math in about a nanosecond <laughs> this man has got a giant cross he's also an african-american gentleman he has a giant cross that he's wearing on what some would call a, a dookie chain <laughs> hanging from his neck <laughs> and then he's wearing some kind of a track suit now he's on the phone and i'm so i go to this old lady who is i'm like excuse me you beat her ass and she she turns to me and she's and i'm like and I, 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 tr I actually truly think this is a woman that I sat next to three years ago when she was 98 <laughs> years old. I, I really think it's the same lady. I'm almost positive. The chances are insane that that would happen, but well, not impossible. She looks exactly like this woman who I met three years ago who was 98, and now she would be, that would make her 101. And I'm like, excuse me, um, I think you might be in my seat. And right then, the stewardess, comes over flight attendant whatever they're called she's like oh can can i help and i'm like yeah th i'm i'm this is my seat seven so this lady's in it and this lady's my daughter put me here my daughter left me in this seat i feel horrible now and the lady's like mm, yes you're supposed to be <laughs> you're supposed to be in the seat in the very last row of the plane. Now, normally, I would just go sit in this lady's seat wherever it was. But I'm not sitting in the very, there's no worse seat on a plane than the very last seat of the plane. You can't recline that seat. You can't recline it. You're next to the toilet. It's shaky as fuck. You're the last person off the plane. There's so many reasons why that's the shitty seat. And now this lady who can't even walk because she was rolled onto the plane by somebody. She can she can barely walk. Now she's getting up out of the seat. And I'm feeling horrible. 
I mean, I'm feeling truly like the worst person in the world. But also, don't want to sit on that last seat. Right. It's a real conundrum. Not really. <laughs> because like I said, <laughs> that veil of civility, gone. <clears throat> so now this lady's getting up. Now she has to go to the very back of the plane. She almost immediately, as soon as she's out of my eyesight, I forget about her. <laughs> the same way the hungry, hungry woodsman forgets about whatever he forgets about when he's in the woods hunting for something because he's starving. Right. So I put her out of my mind almost immediately. Right. So I make my way over to the seat. Now I'm sitting there in the seat. I've got my noise cancellation headphones on, but the noise cancellation headphones do not cancel out the person that's in the aisle seat. And this is what I hear from him. God. You see, people do not know the Bible. For the Bible says, blah, blah. And he's just telling somebody on the phone that he's talking to all about the Bible and what the Bible says <laughs> and the meaning of the Bible in this super low voice. Bit of a James Earl and Jones I'm like, vibe. I'm I'm like, Yeah. Or, or who's the soul singer that sings Barry White. on the records? Barry White. Kind of Barry White. Yeah. And uh, just talking about the Bible and what it means and how it pertains to this person that, that the person's talking to. And, and I'm just like, <clears throat> good God. Does this guy believe? Like, I know for a fact that this guy is full of shit. Does this guy know how full of shit he is and he's just taking advantage of this person that he's on the phone with? Or I'm just I'm just trying to figure it out. How big was the Dookie chain? It's big. He he wanted everybody to know that he was he was a man of the of the cloth. Because I they think say. I think you can judge someone's full of shittedness by the size of their dookie chain or the size of the crucifix that they wear. Well, I'm telling you, the shit that he was saying was so... It was like he had written the Bible. It was like this guy had written the Bible or something. It was so... It was. It, there was a level of audacity. Anyway, so this is going on. Finally... Uh, stewardess comes up <laughs> and the whole time so there's this young skinny African child that's in the care of this man sitting next to me so I'm, I'm like I don't care because at least I'm not sitting next to a giant fat person <laughs> on, on this plane so I don't care so <laughs> but sure enough before the plane takes off the stewardess comes up and she's like uh, I believe we have a problem here can I see your tickets to these two folks? Man of the cloth turns out his seat is seven E right next to me. And the kid, the, the sex slave kid, concubine, sex concubine mm -hmm. prisoner. Mm -hmm. That kid is in seat 
14D, also a middle seat. So, so whose seat was C, the aisle? This uh, or another no, late, another an- another old lady. Okay. So she she gets in that seat, and then this guy who's almost four hundred pounds sits right next to me. Mm-hmm. And then you know, have you ever sat next to anybody like that where they just then their his whole all his fat comes over the armrest over into my seat. I sat next to a woman like that. I was on the window. She was in the middle. And when she got up after the three-hour flight to wherever, there was a puddle of liquid in the seat where she had just been sitting. Not sure what the liquid was, Mm. only that it was there. And I sucked it up with a little high-C straw. And that is the secret of my youth. But anyway, (laughs) so this dude's sitting by you. I'm guessing he's not sharing the armrest. Well, he can't. <clears throat> right, physically it's, impo- it's impossible for him to share Maybe anything. God could find a way to shrink his arms for this miraculous flight. Well, he immediately goes to sleep. Yeah. And so now I'm just pressed against the window. But he did wake up miraculously because the Lord works in miraculous ways. He woke up just with enough time to when the lady was coming by with snacks to grab a snack pack or two. Right. And then go back to sleep. I Ah, never fuck with the window, dude. I'm, I'm aisle only because I got to have a way out for that. I have to have 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 the window in case we have any turbulence. Then I can look out the window and go, okay, everything's fine. Hmm. Well, anyways, God was punishing me for uh, making that making that woman go sit in the back, but I I couldn't not do it. I felt horrible. I love that we try to make sense of things in the world. <clears throat> We've done it since it's a tale as old as time. It's like something bad happens, God's punishing you. Something good happens, God's happy with you. That's just how we've decided right. that the mysteries of the universe work. Right. Because the alternative is really tough. The alternative is this, and I present it to you and our listeners now, and it's what I believe is true. There is no God. There is no justice. Why Can we is, do it with accents? Can we do this with accents? Can I do it Orson Welles? For there Can is, you proffer? <clears throat> for there is no God. There is no justice. Life is absurdly, cosmically, indefatigably, meaningless so eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we perish may i good sir offer a caddy a cabby a caveat as they say please to your observance <laughs> please do. if i may be so bold please that i would think that actually, no, I'll say this, and I've said it on this. Show, I've said it on this show many times. I don't think that's such. I don't think that's that bad either. To tell you the truth, like if that's true, if this is just all random, we're here. It's the end when you die. It's not that bad. Like it's really like 
that's not not that big of a deal. No, like well, we're, we're alive. We're, we're we have this moment that we can shine in the sun, and then when we die, lights out forever. Yeah, that right. doesn't sound that bad to me. Well, and it seems to be unless a lot of things change, which is totally possible. It just really seems to be what's observably true. So you got to face right. it, man. You got to face it and look look in the face of it and decide what you're going to do. And guys like me and you look in the face of it, I think with courage. I think most people look at it with courage, but just speaking about me and you, because I know me and you, we look at it and go, you know what? I'm going to wake up. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my daughter. I'm going to be true to them. And I'm going to spend most of my waking energy making art. That's some good shit. And speaking of good shit, here in the last little portion here, I want to say thank you to Jessica Robb and Lynn Gaddis, who became patrons of the show about a month ago, but we're catching up on emails here. And I wanted to read an email from my friend Rachel, who wrote in. Oh, nice. Now, Rachel Solomon is one of my favorite musicians in town. Um, I did not know that she listened to our podcast. So, hello, Rachel. I met her Hello. I met her years ago. She was playing keys for an artist named Laura Bell Bundy. I think that's how we met Rachel. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. But she's one of these musicians that can just play anything. She can sing like a bird. She's super talented. She writes her own songs. So she writes in. She says, friend of Clint's fan of podcast. She says, hello, Clint. Hi, Bob. I listen to I'm Okay, You're Okay regularly when I drive. When I finish an episode, I always look forward to when the next one drops. Um, let's see. She talks about, she says, Bob, I'm a friend and former bandmate of Clint's. Grew up in Austin. Saw you perform a handful of times at Antone's, both with the scabs and solo, circa 2000-2001. During a show, you compared the shape of a sure microphone to that of a cock. Smiley face. Oh, hey, 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 hey. (laughs) There you go. Now Bob's online. She says, I appreciated listening to you both discuss the current state of South by by Southwest a couple months ago. My family moved to Austin in 95, and I remember when South by really was an indie music and film festival. But in its current existence, I'm aware of the thousands of dollars indie bands shell out on transportation and lodging alone in order to play their brief slots at South By. I'd love to hear your thoughts on your respective podcasts being an extension of your respective careers in music. It's a multimedia world we're living in and working in, and a quote-unquote diverse portfolio is the name of the game, but I don't think the memo has reached everyone in the non-music audience Curious if either of you ever received the quote-unquote, so you're doing podcast now, why don't you just play music line from a misunderstanding civilian? She says, I take critical commentary like this very personally as the quote-unquote new music business is full of opportunities to make use of creative platforms such as podcasts. But then again, maybe criticism like this is comparable to the audience's reaction to Bob Dylan plugging his guitar into an amp. Love having access to your conversations and Clint, I hope to see you soon. Rachel Solomon. Well, good to hear from you, Rachel. So what say ye, what if you'd have told yourself, Bob, in 2002, for example, that you'd be doing these live streams, that you'd be making podcasts, that you'd be finding all these different ways, that you'd be making Instagram posts, and does any of that register to you as anything interesting, or do you see it as an extension evolution of artists connecting with an audience, et cetera? I would have said to my young self at the time, Quit eating all them candy bars. Right. Um, mainly, I would have said, hey, dude, <laughs> quit eating those candy bars. Stay thin. Candy cars. Stay thin. Quit it. Stay thin, bitch. <laughs> uh, that's what I would have said to me. And then if I'd have said, if I'd have started talking to myself about podcasts and stuff, 
I would have probably said, hey, get on the train early. Don't wait so long to get on the train. But um, I don't know, man. I I don't do anything I don't love. Like, I love this. I like talking to you. Uh, you know, once we stopped playing together, I was like, well, I'm going to miss talking to you because I, I enjoy our conversations and I, I know the way the world works and uh, we would have probably, we wouldn't, we wouldn't talk as much as we talk uh, if we weren't doing this podcast. So it's a great excuse to get to hang out with you, hear what you have to say, joke around, have a few laughs. Um, and the other thing I do, my, my song club podcast, um, the same thing. I only do that once a month and I don't think of it as any kind of a thing I have to do. It's something I really enjoy doing. I like, fucking around talking about the songs I've written. I'm real proud of the music that I make. So it's a fun thing for me to do. Now, if I had to do a bunch of shit that I hated to do or that I didn't want to do, then that would be one thing. But I'd, I've never done that. I've never done anything really that I hated to do. And I used to, I used to hate to kind of do corporate gigs or private shows, but I figured out a way now to have fun even doing that. So there's very little in my life that I do that I don't truly love doing. Well, and, so, I, think, and I think that's yeah. the ultimate freedom. Like that's the ultimate artistic freedom is you really get to do whatever you want to do and you get to do it for a living. I mean, what's better than that? Nothing. Ain't nothing nothing's, better than that. Nothing's better. I like the, I like the idea that there's some super talented... Uh, musician listening to us yeah that makes the, a good. lot of talent really talented musicians listen to us hopefully none of the guys from uh the, all the bands that i shit on and if they do jk uh i say double down on it dude it's a law of attraction your criticism of them just makes them love you more yeah and when i say jk i mean i mean it though for <laughs> real <laughs> i think they all know all right listen thanks everyone who checks us out <clears throat> I have a kind of a, a macabre subject I want to go into here in the Secret Weekly. If you want to know what that is, it's an extra five Whoa. to ten minutes to sometimes even twenty minutes of extra podcast of things that we talk about that you can have access to via the Patreon. There's an RSS RSS feed that will go straight to your phone the way that you listen to podcasts called the Secret Weekly. You'll get one a week, and uh, we're going to go there now. We appreciate it. you can write in Bob and Clint at gmail.com. if you want to join the Secret Weekly. It's on Patreon p a t r e o n dot com slash letters i o k. Bob's other podcast is called The Song Club. My other podcast is called Metal Up Your Podcast and A to Z with Clinton Katie. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>